0: Hey, welcome to the Pag Leg Podcast. I'm Greg Marshall. This is episode 35. It's called Family Dinner and a Teenager with a Gun. In early 2007, my wife and I had a daughter who was about a year and a half old. We purchased a house in a really dynamic neighborhood where people were very intentional about community Regular dinners, get-togethers, people serving together, working together, and it was really unique for us because I believe we were the only white family on our block. It was a working-class African-American neighborhood, and we loved it because of the intentionality of neighbors. And we wanted to, we wanted our daughter and any other kids that we would eventually have. And then we ended up having four daughters, um, but we we wanted them to. To be around intentional community. And another reason I was really drawn to the neighborhood is because of my experiences in the black community in general. I've just, it's a community where I felt very affirmed and welcomed and encouraged to use my gifts and to step out and try things and to do good. And um, I just, the energy of that, I wanted my kids to be around. But at the heart of it, we knew that this neighborhood was intentional. And we quickly fell in love with a couple there named Peter and Char Borg. They were very active, almost like a magnet in the neighborhood. People just they, they created gravity for people. Um, and anybody and everybody. Young and old, different backgrounds, didn't matter. They're they're kind of like a gravity. And one of the things that they did to create that really beautiful gravity was hosted a a dinner every Thursday night and they did this for many many years um I don't know 20 years maybe even more and it was basically they called it family dinner night family dinner and anybody in the neighborhood who wanted to come was welcome honestly anyone in the world who wanted to come was welcome these dinners Uh, Played a massive role in shaping relationships and a feeling of connectedness between people and It was pretty stunning. I mean kids running around playing in the front yard throughout the house adults sitting at the table discussing Religion and politics and whatever was happening in life Uh, it It was always really cool One of the first dinners that we went to I don't remember if it was in the first couple of weeks or the first few months Early on, we went to a dinner at their home, and I remember watching the kids through the window and noticing that there was a ton of kids outside and no adults were out there. and so I decided to go out and just kind of be around and play with them and just watch watch over them a little bit. And um, while I was outside, watching about a dozen kids running around playing, smiling, laughing, it was a beautiful sight. Um, all of a sudden I heard yelling to my left as I looked at this street and I look to my left, maybe two houses down, and I see a group of teenagers and specifically two teenagers in the midst of this group, one of them pointing a gun at the other teenager's face and the Teenager who had the gun pointed at his face was screaming at the other kid that was holding the gun, and he was yelling, um, taunting the kid, provoking him to try to get him to pull the trigger, saying he was too weak to pull the trigger, too weak to really do it. At that moment, uh, I felt like all sound sort of stopped, except for. The two teenagers who were fighting, and it was like my sight, my my hearing, all of it narrowed in on just that. And I quick turned towards the kids and started uh, grabbing them and like by the like shirt, but gently, and like nudging them into the house. Like, all right, guys, we're going in the house. We're going in the house, guys. Everybody, go inside. Just kind of quickly moving them, but calmly moving them into a safe place and I got all the kids in the house and these teenagers were still outside um, pointing a gun at each other and I told Peter what was going on and I asked him what do we do in a situation like this I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember the categories that he brought up. He said, well, we make sure everybody's safe. We call the police. We pray for those boys. And we talk about what we need to do to make sure that they don't feel like they need to do that anymore. And I mean, to me that was really profound in that moment because I felt a sense of like fight or flight like I was um adrenaline was very high and I was a little bit freaked out staying calm but kind of freaked out obviously and worried for those kids outside worried about bullets flying around and you know we called the police and the police um I called them with my cell phone, and later on they would call me as they arrived, but that wasn't for 45 minutes. It was at least 45 minutes before anybody came or called us back. And so during that time, while we were waiting for the police, all of these uh, neighbors of mine gathered in the living room, making sure the kids were safe, making sure that we were okay. But everybody gathered in the living room, and people started praying for those boys outside, and it was prayers of compassion and strength, uh, a mixture of "we won't tolerate this," "God help stop this," and at this, but at the same time, it was pure compassion and great grace. And a desire for those teenagers to feel loved and cared for and guided. Uh, it was a prayer for wisdom, and it was uh, it was it was pretty profound. And and conversation it evolved into a conversation about how do we as neighbors be more intentional so that those boys know that they are loved and they don't have to make those kind of choices, but also how do we interact with younger kids that you know so that they can see that they don't have to go that route and as we sat there and listened it was it was deeply moving but also transformative in a way it shifted something in me because later on that evening we had to walk back to our house which was maybe 3 or 4 blocks from there And by the way, um, while we were praying and talking, the situation seemed to calm down. The the group of boys broke into two groups. One went into the house that they were in front of, and the other group got into a car and drove around the neighborhood. And when the police came about 45 minutes after we called, they called my cell and basically said, we're not going to go in that house because we don't want to get shot. And they just drove around the block and they left. And so here we had to um, kind of just wait and then go home. The we'll stroller with our tiny toddler, My wife and I, felt something different we were different going home than we were when we came and as we were walking i had this strange feeling of cognitive dissonance maybe or paradox where i knew i had just experienced something that would cause most people to say i don't want to be here anymore this isn't a place to be But here I was walking home, feeling like my roots in that community had gone deeper. And not only had they gone deeper, but they were being nourished. They were strengthened. It was a situation where we experienced something scary, hard, unfamiliar, uncomfortable, and the maybe intuitive response the conditioned response is to disconnect and to not be there anymore but we experienced that circumstance in the context of a community that helped us see it with new eyes and that's kind of the that's kind of the secret of this experience the the secret the gem the jewel of it one of the things that i take take from it as i look back is if we had experienced that in isolation not part of a community then all of the conditioning in us that says nope cut ties get out of here it's not safe uh would have been easily accessible because in many ways like yeah that's true like that wasn't safe um but some but we we saw this whole other layer of reality, this whole other dimension of true of truth uh, through the eyes of others. We saw that that moment, yes, was risky, but in general in this community, we're surrounded by amazing people. Who have each other's backs and who are committed to that neighborhood getting better. And so there's a moment of that's not safe. But that moment of that's not safe is surrounded by love and intentionality and absolute safety. Like multiple layers of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual safety. And so we were able to receive the bigger picture and press in because we had that we had that community that connection those relationships that helped us grow and i think those relationships ultimately gave us the courage to say we want we want to know what happens if we make this home we want to know what happens to us like how do we evolve if we choose to participate in a community that moves that way that loves that way. Who would who would we become? It's like this curiosity, like I want to know, I want to know who we are, who we who we become, if we press into this and I want to know who our kids become if this is what they experience, this love, this connection, this commitment, this bravery, this sense of purpose and calling that transcends the typical, you know, comforts that we often aim for and, and as I think about that moment and, and how that shaped us man it, it translates to so many other things because there are other moments in life where we hit a wall or we experience something that's really hard and we have a sense that it's going to cost us something to continue down that road even though it's a road that we said we really wanted and we've always dreamed of it, but all of a sudden it's hard and we wonder, is it really worth it? Should I disconnect? We hit those moments often. And when I look at those moments, any of them, in light of this story that I just told you, I, I guess I feel like that feeling that we get in those moments, like in a marriage or in a friendship or in our work context, that feeling we get, that pull toward, now disconnect, that's going to require too much of you. No, that's going to be too hard. No, that's too scary. That feeling, we, we misinterpret it as a, a, a sign that we need to disconnect. Because in reality, it is often an invitation to evolve. An invitation to actually receive the version of you that you actually want. That scary feeling, that feeling of like, ooh, this is gonna cost me something to go down this path. Like this is this is gonna be uncomfortable. And we're like, yeah, I don't want that. Because that feeling is telling me it's not good. But the feeling is a sign that it might actually be very good. I'm thinking about like if you're at work and a supervisor or even just a teammate says, you know, gives you hard feedback and says that there's something you're doing that you could do better. Or, hey, the way you're communicating comes off this way. And, and you hear those words, and it feels like you're in danger. Like, like oh, and you, we can flip into this self-preservation mode. And we're like, well, they don't even understand me. And so then we, we disconnect relationally. And maybe we even think about leaving that workplace. But that discomfort of of hard-to-hear feedback, that feeling we get that says, ah, this isn't safe, like hold on like that could be a sign that this is actually an opportunity to go deeper and to and to receive the version of you that you actually want it's an invitation to evolve an opportunity to find out what happens if you stay to find out what happens if you stay in that feedback ask questions about it Receive it. Let the discomfort wash through you. Seek connection, relationship, community that wants to see you grow and develop. Press into that. Lean into it. See if a humble staying actually causes your roots to go deeper and actually nourish them. I think we, uh, another area that we experience this often in is marriage. And I know not everybody's married. You might uh, just have a significant other. I'm just going to talk about it in the context of marriage. In marriage, you make a promise to a person. And in in my faith tradition, that we call that a covenant. It's where you see the other person um, as a beautiful obligation. You're choosing to love them. But what happens in every marriage is you you marry this person that you think you know. And then over time, you realize who they actually are. And then you choose to love the person that you actually married. Now, that's an oversimplification. But in that process of realizing that this person is not exactly what you imagined in your head, and even you yourself are not, who you imagined in your head in this context, it creates this tension, this like, wait a minute. She's not, she's not loving me how I want to be loved or he's not loving me how I want to be loved. And we begin to sort of uh, go into defensive mode and we take a posture of like, I have to look out for myself because they're not looking out for me in this huge, this huge gap is created. And it's like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because it's uncomfortable it's it's awkward it's difficult and they're not loving me the way that i need them to it's like okay well th- here's this feeling this feeling of desire to disconnect desire to walk away but what if what if that discomfort what if the fear of where is this going is actually a sign a clue an invitation to the next phase of growth and evolution? What if this is a a marker, a reminder that if you stay open to evolving, if you stay open to what happens when you stay and choose to love better, to surround yourself with people who help you remember what it means to love well, what if it's a sign that this is your opportunity to upgrade to the next level of you. It usually is. And the irony is when we experience that tension moment and we resist evolution, we're like, "No, like that person needs to get it right." Instead of being like, "You know what? One of us has to lead right now and 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 choose to love the other well." And you the best situation is when both people resolve to say we made a promise to each other let's let's love each other well let's learn how to do that and let's evolve let's change together because that was the point of becoming married you know choosing somebody to change with to evolve with to grow with Um, and in those hard moments it's like oh but what if we what if we stay what if we surround ourselves with people who help us to imagine how we might stay and how we might stay in a way that's surprising, like in the neighborhood, man, like we were taught by a group of people how to be there in a way that was familiar but also fresh and new. The same thing is is possible at work, it's possible in marriage, it's possible in friendships. It's human life. It, it, it's hard, and it gets harder sometimes, but we, we all have the opportunity to say, no, I'm disconnecting. I'm going to stay the way I am and avoid going into that uncomfortable thing. Or we can say, I want to see who I become if I stay open to evolving through the process of staying in this. So as you, as you go about your day, as you go about your life and you encounter that hard thing that you know is worth it, you know it's worth it, but it's hard, stay in it longer. Say yes to evolving. And I'm obviously not talking about an abusive situation. Like if you're in a relationship and it's abusive, obviously don't stay in that. I'm I'm trusting that you understand that I'm talking about situations that, and really it's stuff that you even dream of that you want. You want to go down that road. You want this relationship to work. You want this job to work. You want this living situation to work, to be maximized, to be beautiful. In those situations, when you hit this hard moment that's going to require more of you, it's going to require you to change and to evolve, don't resist that. Go for it. But don't do it in isolation. Do it with people. Surround yourself with people who love well. Who understand purpose. Who can see the big picture. Who believe that our little stories are a part of a much bigger story. Find those people. And stay. Go deeper. And things evolve. Things change. After almost... 14 years, we moved from that neighborhood. And when I look back at what that meant to us and continues to mean to us, um, and our daughters, my oldest daughters, who basically their entire childhood was there, man, like the things that we gained from choosing to be there the things that we learned and about ourselves and about others, about the complexity of humanity, the complexity of cities and culture and systems, and just how things work. It was like a grounding, a rooting in reality. And it helped us to become who we are and we continue to evolve as people in, in, in all kinds of areas of our lives. But I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I have this memory of walking into that house with these kids and asking Peter Borg, what do we do now? He said, "Well, well, make sure we're okay, call the police, pray for those boys, and then talk about how to love them well so that they don't feel like they have to do that anymore. we could only respond like that to more things. Thanks for listening to the Peg Leg Podcast. Peace.